In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles Live. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. And with me is a very, very, very special co-host tonight. Uh, she is one of the great uh, persons that I actually had the opportunity to work with at WNDS, uh, Gail Scott, Keith, Gail, you Ron, there? how are you? Good. You hear me all right? I can hear you awesome. It's, I'm so excited to be here tonight with you and your audience, and congratulations to you and Maureen with your latest Inked Pen book that I had a chance to read. It is fabulous. Oh, Ghost Chronicles, right. It's, it's doing pretty well. Uh, we're happy with it. We have a second one we just completed uh, in fact, it's in editing right now, and it is called 365 uh, Ghost of Day. That's what it is, Ghost of Day, 365 uh, Ghost Stories from Around the World. And I did not pick the title, so don't blame me. Well, you know, I, I was going to say it would seem fitting because ghosts never rest, and, of course, that's, that's why you're on the platform doing what you do best. Yeah. But anyways, uh, for those who don't know Gail, Gail uh, and I go way back, don't we, Gail? Do oh my goodness we have such a history absolutely <laughs> and you were one of the uh, personalities at the uh, WNDS the old WNDS uh, TV station yeah yeah matter of fact I I know you have that picture up on your website and I was just cringing because it's so funny I remember you looked fabulous and and you were actually our first uh, known ghost um, group that came to have a ghost show on WNDS and uh, of course you have just risen to to a higher seller, you know, of of every occasion when it comes to ghost hunting, and and just the honor is all mine. It always has been. I've been following your work, uh, but yeah, I, I'm still I'm doing the media part time, and um, I've been doing some national shows and getting ready to do another national show on the uh, We Network and Oxygen Network for uh, some helping out with the medical facilities, but. It was such a pleasure when I had the opportunity to meet and greet you when I was at the studio because that was a lot of fun. Oh, that was a blast back in those days. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I, I don't think I remember being so scared because, you know, whoever talked about ghosts to that level and you totally were a risk taker and you're like, you know something, Gail, your audience needs, they need some ghosts. 
And I was like, you know what, Ron? I agree. So we just scare them all. <laughs> I, I, and that was funny because that show was out before any of all, any other uh, ghost shows. Absolutely. You started the whole thing. So, you know, New England Ghost Project, it, it, it's just not to mention the most reputable, but you go dig deep. And, of course, we had the pleasure, John Campanello and I, on TV to have you and Maureen on our show, Hollywood New England. So I don't know if you've seen it because it's been playing around. So for your listeners who haven't seen it, they should check out locally on uh, Hollywood New England for Channel 16, and that way they can even download and see that particular interview that we had because it was incredible having you guys in the studio with us. Yeah, it was a blast. It's always a blast to, to work with you anyways. But, uh, oh, you're a sweetheart. I pay you for these comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, know, you know what's funny, too, is that um, the restaurant that was close to the studio was haunted as well. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I, oh, my goodness. It's so funny. I, I remember when we... You had that in your book. I remember the first time when I had seen through the book, uh, there was all this write-ups about the uh, the Wyndham restaurant, and mm-hmm. you know, reluctantly, the next time when you were you came in uh, with um, with Gavin Cromwell, and and you know, we were there, of course, mm-hmm. with the set Hollywood New England, and yeah, I I was taking, I was shaking literally. I think that's an understatement because I still have, I won't watch the footage. We, I won't watch the footage at all. It was bad. <laughs> yeah, that, that it, well, you know what was really funny because you had the, you had the camera, right? And uh, actually, John did, and I thought, well, I started, yes, you're right, I had the camera. You had the camera originally, and then what What happened is you had a, a bit of an attachment uh, spirit. Uh, uh, yeah. So I, 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 I took the camera from you. Of course, I kept it rolling. <laughs> <laughs> you do what we say in the media, keep the camera rolling no matter what, and you certainly did. And I, I didn't expect what happened because we were up on the second floor, and that's where those pictures I remember out of the book of, of the, um, the Christmas boxes were lined right across the wall because I guess sooner before they were saying that the owners downstairs heard commotion and everybody went up and took that picture, extraordinary picture. But I was following you, David Wells, uh, Gavin Cromwell, up to the third floor, and all of a sudden I felt my equilibrium quickly declining and going off, and you and Maureen were up there ahead of us already investigating out the area. And all I can say is that um, that experience, when, when we were walking up the stairs and I had the camera, it was like a thousand hands were just weighing down on me, and it was just the mood had certainly gone from what was going to be an exciting moment to a very depressing. I just felt so depressed and oppressed with all these feelings, and I remember you guys were quickly trying to get me out of there, and, and you and Maureen were fabulous, and I had no idea what had hit me. And um, for for anyone who doubts what was going on, um, I mean, this is what you do wrong. This is why we love you guys, because you and Maureen um, have put this and made this your passion to, um, you know, help others to understand that there really is an afterlife. There really is a connection, and things do happen. And it, it, took, me a, it took me a good week to get over that because it just – I've never been the same. <laughs> well, maybe we can talk about this a little bit later in the show, but we have our guest right now waiting for us. Uh, she is uh, Susan B. Martinus. Uh, she's a Ph.D., an independent scholar, journalist, activist. She is an anthro- uh, got a doctorate in anthropology from Columbia University. Uh, she wrote the book, uh, The Psychic Life of Abraham Lincoln, and she's really, really a neat person to talk to. So why don't we just bring her on the air? 
Sounds like a good plan to me, Ron. Susan, you there? Oh, you're here? Susan? Yeah. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I was afraid of running out of battery on my phone. Oh, no! You have a battery phone? I mean, it's a, um, you know, a cordless uh, home phone, but um, it starts to blink at me after a while. So I wanted to get you uh, just when you were ready for me. Oh, I'm sorry about that. If I'd known that, we would have shut up a little quicker. I know. I Shut me up. Hi, Susan. How are you? I'm good. And uh, you've written uh, several books. The one with, that, it's, that was published was The Psychic Light of Life of Abraham Lincoln, uh, which is, is kind of interesting, but you also have a couple others in the works as well. But uh, why don't we just, since it is February, let's talk a little bit about uh, Mr. Lincoln, and then we'll go on to other things. That... That's great. Okay, so most people do or don't know about Abraham Lincoln and his uh, spiritual life. I mean, we, we know that uh, his wife was uh, big in the seances, and they actually held seances at the White House, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, well, why don't you go a little bit about uh, Lincoln and, and how you came to write this book? Well, you know what? I did the research from my armchair here in a small town, even without a, a big library or any special connections to to the uh, uh, documents of that time. So I feel I just scratched the surface of it, and I came up with uh, at least uh, the names of at least ten mediums who uh, were invited to the White House to uh, for Lincoln and his wife to sit with. So that's a, a pretty good start. Uh, Pretty much the Lincoln story, uh, his interest in spiritualism has been uh, suppressed. Uh, at, the, at the time, it was a profound state secret, but I would say after 150 years or uh, moving on to 150 years, it's time for the truth to come out. Right, and your book came out, uh, how many, I think it was, what, two years ago? Uh, yeah, it, and... Uh, the uh, paperback came out in time for the uh, Lincoln uh, uh, Bicentennial that was 09. That was earlier uh, last year, early in last year. Oh, wow. And I had a chance to look at some of the stuff, Susan, and as you and Rod were talking about, that seance was spurred, and I believe um, it was documented, I think it was the one time that President Lincoln had attended, and I believe that was after the death of his 11-year-old son, and was that um, his his wife was trying to contact him? Was that not the case? Well, Mary had her own visions. She she didn't need a séance to uh, hear from her uh, son. He appeared at her bedside. Uh, you know, there's a good uh, ghost story for you right there. Uh, Mary was uh, quite uh, uh, mediumistic herself. Uh, Lincoln's mediumship was of a different kind. He tended to. Uh, receive messages in his dreams. Yeah, he actually foreseen uh, his own death, I believe, correct? Yeah, he had foreseen also, that's right. Uh, he knew he would uh, rise to a great fame. He knew in advance that he would be shot down from the heights. Uh, even the day that he was killed, he seems from his wording uh, to his steward at the White House that he knew it would happen that night. He, uh, he said, to, instead of a good night, he said goodbye to him. And it's kind of a historic moment because 
uh, he was uh, being urged from all sides not to appear publicly because of uh, death threats, but he was kind of a fatalist. He didn't think he could really uh, prevent it. You know what's also interesting, Susan, is um, looking back on that with the book, of course, when you, when you hear about a president who has a seance in the White House, of course, everybody, I'm sure, are, are like, what? Hmm? And, and with that, you know, as you have brought to light, and it's very educational, very interesting, uh, this book that you have put out. Um, and I'm just wondering, on the other side, what's the criticism been? I mean, because a lot of people were saying that, you know, it's just unethical. You never hear about that going on in the White House. And, and why, why was this, um, you know, now, nowadays? Nowadays, the flavor of criticism toward uh, the afterlife and my path to death is uh, either ignore it or, um, well, yeah, basically ignore it because no matter how much evidence you present, the uh, old line arguments are still put out. And this holds very much for Lincoln. Um, even after I uh, made the effort of... Uh, detailing so carefully in the book how it was not really Mary Lincoln, but it was Abraham himself who had a deep interest in uh, spiritualism uh, and the other world. Uh, even though I uh, went to pains to uh, point that out, uh, the same old argument came back at me that it was just Mary who was interested. It was he who was uh, simply protecting her from phony mediums by going to going along with her. And the uh, same old story, uh, even if the evidence to the contrary was uh, presented. But so you've got to realize, too, that even, I mean, you said okay, the, the seance in there, but, I mean, Ronnie Reagan's wife uh, used to use an astrologer, so that's not too mm. far off from it. Right. Um, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't compare astrology to... Um, like it gives them a... A spiritual, spiritualism, but there's been a lot of uh, uh, otherworldly interest in the White House. So let's face it, you go back through history and, you know, you can go back far enough where the kings themselves were priests and adepts, you know. And right. then in the modern era, it, uh, it comes out a little differently that the uh, leaders of society are uh, very much, even though quietly, interested in what uh, mediumship can tell them. Right, but I mean, the, the problem with the whole spiritualist movement is that there was so much uh, fraud initially evolved with it that it got such a bad name. Uh, you know, for instance, uh, I've seen photographs uh, from uh, the Hamilton collection, which was controlled uh, seances. And, I mean, you can see that they're obviously, uh, the mediums used uh, gauze and other things to, to fake things. And, and even Mumbler, uh, the great spirit photographer, right. was, was, was proved. So this all gave the spiritualist movement a bad name to start with. So even if it, there was validity, uh, it, it just, you know, it was lost in all this uh, fraud. Well, you know, Ron, most of that is propaganda. Um, I have read uh, people like uh, Conan Doyle, you know, who himself became very involved in right. it, uh, stating that, in his opinion, it was no more than 10% uh, 
uh, fraudulence in, in the field. In other words, the enemies of spiritualism all along have exaggerated the case against it. And also to say this, this to hold this argument is like saying, you know, if you've gone to a doctor who's a quack or, you know, who's done malpractice, then you don't want to go to any other doctors. It's a foolish argument in the first place. But uh, the, the enemies of spiritualism will use anything to prejudice people against it. Right. I mean, but that, that's what I was trying to say, is that the, the few, just as in the paranormal investigating field that we do now, the few that fake evidence, the few that, that do things uh, under, underhandedly uh, give everyone a bad name. So the same thing happened. I mean, you look at Houdini. Now, Houdini was very much involved in the spiritualism movement until, until he realized that some of the mediums were doing simple politics, and then he devoted his life to exposing Mediums. In fact, I mean, of course, there's always the theory that the spiritualist movement killed Houdini. That's how he really died. I certainly don't believe it. But, I mean, that's what I'm trying to get at is the, the few that, um, that were frauds made it, gave the whole industry a bad name. Um, it's funny that you bring up Houdini because between him and Conan Doyle, who I mentioned a minute earlier, uh-huh. uh, was just a very uh, strong... Uh, relationship. First, they were great friends. Absolutely. And then they turned into enemies over the uh, controversy of spiritualism. Mm-hmm. It's true. Now, Houdini was a fake medium. <laughs> I mean, uh, the, the stories are really interesting. In his early years, before he became famous, he did a lot of, uh, you know, um, up your sleeve type of uh, medium mediumship and entertainment and so forth. But the uh, to me, the highlight of that whole uh, 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 rivalry, uh, uh, enmity between him and uh, Doyle uh, comes to this. Doyle believed that Houdini's uh, magic was uh, being implemented by the spirit world, uh, that there were elements uh, elements in the spirit world who wanted to prove uh, the uh, supremacy of the unseen over the seen and used Houdini for that purpose, matter through matter and so forth. I mean, how else did he get out of those traps he set himself in? Uh, Doyle uh, uh, quite publicly uh, stated that he thought this was uh, Houdini's, uh, the secret of Houdini's gift, that he himself and others did say this, the, that uh, Houdini himself didn't know where his powers came from. You know, it, it's an interesting topic, Susan, because um, you had also said in your book, um, and, and which I found interesting and wanted to get um, hear it from you, the Emancipation Proclamation that Lincoln had signed. Um, it, that pen, the stroke of the pen, had a little bit more of an influence than just being in his hand. Is that true? Yes. You know what? I didn't get your name. Oh, it's oh, Gail. Gail. <laughs> I'm sorry? It's Gail. Gail. Oh, okay, Gail. Um, you hit on the um, most vibrant theme in, in my book um, because uh, when it comes to these controversies, people will eventually ask, did Lincoln allow his belief in spirits or his messages from his communications to influence him in matters of state. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like the big, the bottom line question with 
Lincoln, because that, that seems to be the thing that people are most uh, concerned about. And the answer is yes, very much so. Like I say, his dreams also messages for me uh, that mediums uh, delivered to him. Uh, the, to me, the whole book centers around the uh, Emancipation Proclamation. That's the, the whole, that's the highlight of Lincoln himself. That's the, the kernel of the great Lincoln, the, the uh, proclamation. Uh, and he kind of did it in a single-handed way, you know. He, he waited till the time was right, and then he came out with it. Um, and that's what they call, like, free writing? Is that correct? I'm sorry? Is that what they call free writing as far as in, in the paranormal world? Uh, I don't get uh, what you're saying. Um, when they have free writing, there's a lot of movies that will say that, you know... Oh, like automatic writing. Yeah. Oh, exactly. oh, there you go. Exactly. Because what's interesting is, you know, even his wife after his death had said that Lincoln was... Um, he, he wasn't associated by any church, but he was also, you know, he always referenced God, and um, he, he was also, you know, they, they didn't... There's been a lot of uh, people who went through hard... Um, great length to try and link him to some sort of religion or not. And with that said, she, his own wife had said that he was always reading his Bible. But yet, for him reading his Bible, a lot of people might be thinking, who in a religious state, like thinking, okay, if he's in his Bible, how did he, how was he able to do all this seance? You know, because it's like crossing the borders. Is that not true? Um, um, he was a free uh, spirit, so these uh, distinctions did not uh, concern him. Um, he was the only American president, this is such an interesting statistic, uh, who never, uh, who, who, who did not join a, ch a church, who was right, not a member right. of a church. He bought his wife a seat in the Pres Presbyterian Church in Washington uh, for her and for her appearances' sake, but he was not a member of a church. And in his early years in Springfield, he wrote a very, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to call it, he wrote a book that some friends of his burnt because they felt it would uh, it was political suicide. It was a, a anti-religious book. It was uh, proving all the flaws of the Christian Bible and so forth. Uh, so, um, and then on the other hand, I I, I I I like to class him along with Jefferson and Washington as a deist. Uh, a man who had faith in the Creator, but who was not uh, uh, going along with uh, Orthodox religion and many of its dogmas. Hmm. That's interesting. The, the book is, is, it really, it opens up your eyes for a lot of historians who didn't realize, because I, I never realized that that had happened in the White House, that there were seances and, and such going on. And, um, and the book is, what gets you into Inking this book, what 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 was it for you like to to put this book together and put it out there? Um, I I decided to write it in 2005. I had just experienced a personal tragedy, and I I had a, a kind of a, a carpe diem moment, uh, uh, seize the moment, seize the day, and I knew there was something I could do, uh, and there was something that needed to be done, and. Uh, so I just buried myself in Lincoln biographies for an entire year, and uh, it was, uh, as I say, even 
surveying through through books without going to Library of Congress or without having original documents. There was so much. In fact, it was say on you know there's a restriction on book length in uh, publishing today for uh, popular books, and I was I <laughs> I had to cut the book down from 168,000 words to. Uh, I think it came out 85,000. So I had to cut out some seances that uh, I couldn't even uh, cram all of the information into the uh, book itself. But um, I was kind of inspired to to write it. And I, having such, uh, so much background in spiritualism, I felt I could write it. Wow. Wow. That's that's incredible. Um, I I have I know for a fact that you know um, when you go into the history and it's so rich and especially talking about our 16th president, um, you know it's it's really a daring move. I've I've watched some of the reviews and some may say that that's a daring move to even bring up something like that um, about the presidency. And um, you obviously you know where you're moved by it and have a passion. I do agree. If something's moving you, absolutely go with the flow and. And the book has really been doing well for you, right? Um, I uh, I went through a, uh, a graduate program and I got my degree, and I lasted exactly two years in academics, and I've been on my own ever since. So I'm not beholden to anyone. I did find spiritualism uh, shortly after leaving the academic life, and so I'm I'm free. I'm free to write this. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, I just wanted to uh, make my contribution. Well, I think it's an interesting contribution, right, Ron? I do. Uh, I was too quiet, wasn't I? (laughs) (laughs) Say something, Ron. (laughs) (laughs) Let me know you're still alive. You know, at my age, it's very, you know, you got to poke me with a stick every every so often to make sure I'm alive. How old are you? I I will be uh, 61 next month. No, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm older than you, Ron. (laughs) Yeah, oh but uh, I, I don't know if anyone's older than me. I'm older than Dirk. <laughs> but anyways, uh, you, you, we actually uh, have something in common. I know we're running, coming up on the break, uh, but uh, we both don't believe in reincarnation, right. which I, I think is kind of interesting. Right. And we, uh, in the Ghost Chronicles International show on Tuesday, which was yesterday, oddly enough, um, we had a discussion on it, and I went over my beliefs in it, and, uh, and now we have you on the air, and we're going to talk a little bit about reincarnation as well. And then on Ghost Chronicles International next week, we are bringing in somebody who, you know, takes people back into their other lives. So right. it should be an interesting little bit that's going on. But anyways. Yeah. When, uh, when do we talk about it? After the break? Yeah, I was thinking about, uh, let me see, I know that we're running on, we got about four minutes before break. Um, anything else you want to add about Lincoln that, I mean, you know, I... Not us, really, I'd like to move on to the reincarnation thing if we could. Yeah, we've only got a couple of minutes, that's the thing that's um, killing. Um, the the um, thing is, with Lincoln, one people, something that people don't know is that uh, Lincoln's body was moved several times. Yeah. Oh. And uh, I, I found that interesting. In fact, he was he was taken on the, the train uh, that went from uh, Washington and went through like 180 cities and I don't know how many states to finally his burial place in yeah. Springfield. But what people don't know is that Lincoln 
while he was on the train, was not embalmed. So he was on that thing for over two weeks. They would change the flowers every day to yeah. try to mask the, the odor. So there's a little tidbit for you. <laughs> Lots of those little glade fresheners, huh? Those are yeah. great. I mean, I never knew that. I, I was doing research for for our new book, uh, Ghost of the Day, there, and uh, in one of the um, entries is the um, the spectral train of, of Lincoln, which is supposed right. to appear every so often. Right. And, I, and, I, and I found that. It's, it's uh, simply... You know, it, one of the reasons that uh, he wasn't touched up and made beautiful for... Uh, for uh, to lie in state was uh, by orders of Secretary of War Stanton. Stanton wanted him to look as bad as possible to uh, uh, rouse the fury against the South, mm-hmm. you know, and to you know uh, go ahead and conduct the reconstruction on, on their agenda. That's one aspect of of that story. Right, um, and. It's the other thing that also that people don't realize is that uh, Lincoln's son was aboard the train. I mean, we're talking about his dead son uh, was with him on that train. They they, they dug they dug him up and and brought him with him. Ah, uh, no! Talk about restless spirits! Oh my goodness! So there you go. Anyways, wow. we're coming up into the break. Uh, I think we are. Anyways. Yes, I do hear the music. And we are listening to Ghost Chronicles Live with Ron Kolick, and my very special host is Gail Scott Key, and we have Susan Martinez also on the line. We'll be right back after the following messages from Tojinet and Pararex. Inspiring women to be true to themselves. Get ready for Tracy Porter Radio on Toginet.com. 2 p.m. Central, Wednesdays, starting November 4th. Tracy Porter, lifestyle, home and fashion designer. Inspiring women from all over the world with their fashionably eclectic goods, savvy tips, style advice, and encouraging spirit. TracyPorter.com is home to her designer products and voice to thousands of women who flock to Tracy's daily blog for a daily dose of pure Tracy. And now she's coming to Toginet. All of Tracy's enchanting goods can be found at TracyPorter.com and her nationally sought-after mail catalog, Tracy Porter. Plus, you can find her here on Toginet. Tracy's awards, appearances, and accolades are too numerous to mention here. So, ladies, you've just got to come to be inspired, too. With Tracy Porter Radio, inspiring women to be true to themselves, to let their passions lead. Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central, starting November 4th, on toginet.com. Christian work-at-home moms, here is your own show on Toginet. It's CWAM, Christian work-at-home moms, with Jill Hart and Diana Innan. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Central on Toginet. Um, I'd love to share with you just a little bit about how CWAM can help you, whether you are new to the work-at-home world and just starting out your search, or whether you've been working at home for a while and are looking to grow your business. Jill Hart is the founder of Christian Work-at-Home Moms, CWAM.com, and co-author of So You Want to Be a Work-at-Home Mom. Jill has worked from home from 2000 and started her home-based business to assist other Christians who desire to work from home while maintaining a godly life. And Diana Innan with virtualwordpublishing.com. I really, truly want to see you succeed, want to share the joy that I have in being home with my kids and being able to build my own business. And she's ready to help you now. Christian Work at Home Moms, 
with Jill Hart and Diana Ennett. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Central on Toginet. We are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles Live with Ron Kolick and Gail Scott Key. Do I do that whole Gail Scott Key thing or what? I love it. I love it. I was just like, you know, I'm like, this is so awesome. I'm having such a great time co-hosting with you again. It's awesome. Yeah, you know, every time I, I, I hear your name, I always think of Francis Scott Key. You know, it's like, it, exactly. it, it, it's hard to get rid of. What can I tell you? I know. Any relation? No, there is none. I, I just, just from being in the business, my, my maiden name obviously is Scott, and my husband, when I was marrying, his last name was Key, and so because of the business, they, you know, you just want to keep it the same, and so I hyphenated, and if I had a dime for every time I was asked, woo, we'd be on a private jet, all of us doing this interview. <laughs> mm-hmm. But anyways, uh, our special guest today is Susan Martinez. Now, uh, am I saying, I'm saying that right, Martinez, right? No. Martinez? Oh, Accent hey. on the second syllable. <laughs> Martinez. You got it. Caliente mamacita. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> And she she has written the book, The Psychic Life of Abraham Lincoln, but she's also got a couple other ones that uh, I find really interesting. One, uh, we are both, and I believe, on the same page, and this is reincarnation. Now, Gail, before we, what, what is your opinion of uh, uh, reincarnation? Do you believe in it? Don't believe in it? What? I, I don't believe in it. I don't believe in it. I, I believe that, you know, um, you, you get your one shot, you know, like your 15 minutes of fame, if you will, and, and that's it. And I know that there are lots of people who different, differ, but I, I'm right there with, with both of you. I, I don't agree with it. I don't believe in it. No, that's no fun. <laughs> sure it is. We'll still have fun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so why, if, let, let's try to do, start with a quick premise and, and then work from there. Why do you not believe in uh, reincarnation, uh, oh. Susan? Why does anybody believe in it? You know, because it's, it's romantic. It's, we all want to know that we, we had past so, lives. So, but when we want romance, we read a romance novel and we know it's fiction. Uh, but this Ooh, particular right. fiction has been turned into uh, a factoid or a fact. And it's uh, now uh, a short while ago we were talking about fraudulence, um, nearly destroying the spiritual movement, and here it is again. Uh, I, I wouldn't, uh, I almost don't dare tell anyone I'm a spiritualist because they immediately think I'm a reincarnationist. The uh, reincarnation has uh, kind of uh, moved in and taken over the, the movement. Uh, this is bad news because it's, it's false. Um, and so this is happening once again, that fraudulence is, is moving in and uh, taking away the good name of spiritualism. But uh, what I want to say about it, Ron, because... Whenever a discussion of this nature comes up, it's always the same thing. Uh, I always, it's just one simple fact uh, that covers all, the entire territory here. And that fact is that uh, the spirits of the dead uh, can be influential in our lives. Uh, they can do little tricks that uh, uh, spirit people are capable of that we're not because they're in a different world that we're in. They can send messages. They can be ghosts. They can launch orbs into the uh, atmosphere. Uh, they can uh, enter your dreams. Uh, and so uh, every possible uh, rebuttal to the reincarnation theory has to do with the 
a presence of spirits in our lives. That's true. Uh, there isn't really nothing that the spirits can't do uh, compared to what we can do. Right. And what uh, happens is that this misunderstanding comes along. Uh, instead of saying, uh, oh, I had a dream or a vision of, uh, of a person who, who lived in the 19th century and it was so vivid, uh, and I realized that uh, that, that uh, person's spirit came to me for whatever reason, Instead of saying all that, we end up getting testimony after testimony of the same uh, situation being interpreted as reincarnation. That instead of it being a vision or a message from a departed spirit, it's taken as oneself. Now, this is a pretty narcissistic thing when you come down to it. I've been doing a lot of uh, study recently of narcissism, narcissistic personality disorder, NPD, uh, and I began to see that the uh, reincarnation uh, movement itself is very narcissistic. It's taken a self instead of uh, other. Really? Now, I, I just, to me, it just, it, it doesn't make sense. Uh, if you just do the math alone on, on the number of spirits that lived, Versus, of course, then they, they always fix that. They say, well, there's new birth. That's why, uh, you know, reincarnation is, is okay because there's more people now, but that's okay because we have rebirth spirit and therefore we're not reliving the same lives that we were there, whatever. But, uh, you know, it, they, they just adjust it to, to, to make right. it. Right. Uh, uh, here we have a situation uh, which... Um conforms to the uh, truism that uh, no matter what you're told, you're going to believe what you believe. Uh, so all the evidence in the world uh, doesn't help. I mean, I did write an entire book. Uh, it's called The Reincarnation Hoax. It's not yet published, but I think it will be soon. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. Um, um, uh, and, uh, and despite all of it, for example, there's someone who I who read through the manuscript of the reincarnation hopes, and I managed to, he was kind of on the fence, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, he kind of leaned toward it because he's surrounded by people who believe in it. Uh, uh, but I can, uh, the book converted him and he got, he came around, uh, he came around uh, to my point of view. Uh, but, <laughs> but then a year or two went by and he's right back with it because uh, he's surrounded by it. And in fact, he really attacked uh, some recent work I, I did in in the same uh, area. He attacked it. Um, uh, it's 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 the same thing as uh, life after death. Now people are uh, stuck in their belief. Uh, the materialists. Uh, I have uh, some very dear friends who are materialists. Uh, they think I'm brilliant. They love my books, but uh, but I can't convince them of the uh, spirit world, uh, and that's how, that's how it seems to be with uh, adults. We just have to start with a brand-new generation and teach them the right things. I agree. You know, it's, it's funny because when, when I hear about the reincarnation, of course, you know, there's lots of religions, and you're right, Susan, that it, it, is a, it's a, it's a, it comes down to that belief of that person or persons of great influence where they, you know, bring that on to others. But, you know, 
first of all, I don't know who, you know, with everything that goes on in the world and everything, I mean, there, there's got to be something greater. So, you know, I think, but do you think some people, and it, to me it would make sense, and, and certainly correct me if I'm wrong, that especially when you have a passing of a loved one, it's almost like a nice way of saying, you know, they're back in a different way to guard or protect. Because don't you think some people will take it that way because if they can't handle grief or what have you, it, just everyday stress in society, maybe in some cases is it like a fabrication or almost like, you know, believing in the tooth fairy, if you will. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Well, we're lost. We're in the woods. Um, mm. We don't know about, we don't know the first thing about uh, spirit life. Uh, right. So, and we don't know what to believe. I mean, we're we're really uh, in, uh, in in the belly of the beast here in a materialistic um, society. Uh, you know, I, uh, I was thinking. Uh, I present uh, in in the book the reincarnation hopes. I present a lot of arguments uh, to to knock down the theory. Uh, but what just came to me is, I, I think this possibly the strongest argument or the one that I like the most is this. Uh, I read a lot of books on reincarnation in order to write this book. And I found that about 75%, 80%, maybe 85%, really up there, of cases of reincarnation result from a a sudden death in a past life. Uh Okay, let me uh, state my argument. Okay, let's say it really is a strong figure. It's maybe 80, 85% out of all the cases I looked at. It was uh, killed by a train, was, was, was murdered, just one after the other, killed in a war, a young person. Um, just lots and lots of cases of sudden death. Uh, now, it, if you go into spiritualism and understand the, the human psyche, uh, you, uh, you see that in, in the case of sudden death, there, there's no chance to um, absorb the new state that you're in. There's no chance to, um, you know, move into it smoothly like a, an old person who knows they're dying. That's totally different. Sudden death is different, and this personality tends to get earthbound. Okay, we're getting back to your ghosts here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so now somebody please from the reincarnation camp, please explain to me why 80 or 85% of their past lives was sudden death when only 7% of the population dies by sudden death. Well, that's, that's because only the people who die of sudden death come back. Those who die naturally don't come back, evidently. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh Ron, <laughs> I guess you got the answer there. <laughs> And um, I don't but, even believe in it. Ah, but, life. Oh, but, but this is true. Well, you know, remember they did, they did this experiment, and, and, you, and you've all heard about it, is especially in the operating room, they were experimenting to, to see about, you know, if you could even see yourself when you're dying. And they had a clock uh, somewhere at the high top, I think it was like on a wall, and people who had died, they had said that when they were brought back that they could, they could see that clock. So then it left that, that window open up, well, if they could see the clock and, and, and they were not resuscitated to come back to life, they obviously could go on as a spirit. It, it, remember that experiment? Did you hear about that, either one of you? Yes. Uh-huh. But there's a lot of uh, literature on near-death experiences nowadays. Right. But you know what's even more interesting, Susan? Just like, you know, uh, obviously, like you said, with your background, you, you, you're very educated and, and you know your stuff. And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget in college, 
I had a professor who who is a who is a Christian uh, Baptist minister, and he was trying to convince the whole class that when it comes to um, reincarnation, we actually come back seven times for so to get things right, I guess, and then you move on. Why seven? Why not six? Why not a hundred? I mean, Why not thirteen? Yeah, exactly. It's like inflamed, and, and of course you have some people. Who, if they're very open and vulnerable to suggestion, you know, I think only two kids in the class were, but I'm sitting there going, are you kidding me? Because I, I just don't understand, and, and like you um, guys... Seven is supposed to be the number of perfection, and uh, the religions are really latched on to the number seven, and it's, it's just a magic, magic number. But for each reincarnationist, you get a, a distinctly separate uh, theory you you can't compare one to the next. It's all a matter of uh, subjective imagination. You think Baptists, they believe in seven? Are the religions believe Oh, yeah, in seven? it's a big uh, Christian number. Uh, really? The, oh, yeah. The, look at the, um, the rapture and all of that is uh, uh, seven years. Seven uh, deadly sins? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you look good on that one. <laughs> well, well, the seven deadly sins go back to the... Uh, seven tetracts of uh, Reuben. That's a very ancient system, and I I do believe in it. It it's, it, it goes back to the Judaic uh, uh, evil inclinations. Right. Huh. Wow. Wow. Interesting. But you, you know what's interesting too is that uh, if you you talk to someone, in fact, I was talking to Laura, uh, who believed in reincarnation, and the reason she believed in it is that. Uh, she had a dream, and she, you know, it was real to her and everything else. And then she talked to someone who did reincarnation, and they picked up on this dream, so therefore they were reading their past, past lives. But that's not even really proof, because uh, right. isn't that what a psychic does, uh, to be able to read someone's thoughts? So if, if someone had a dream or, or had that thing, why couldn't they just be reading that person? Mm. Yeah, it could be in, uh, from the subjective uh, sphere. Uh, right. Uh, but it could also be from the spiritual sphere where a uh, unsettled uh, wandering spirit uh, has imprinted itself on the mind and then it becomes uh, confused to be part of self. It, uh, the person uh, actually identifies with it. But, um, you know, this... Uh, but, I mean, it also could be just the person tapping into the greater consciousness. Mm-hmm. You know, of past lives, and we we all. I mean, if we're all energy, and the soul is energy. So, why couldn't we we tap into that that energy and be able to, uh, you know, pick up memories that from from that pool? That I don't know. I don't know. I'll let you know when I die. <laughs> I'll come back and tell you. <laughs> but, well, that that brings that brings forth deja vu, right? Yeah, it's true, very true. See, yeah. And you also have a, another book you're working on, Dreams. I, I thought this kind of fits in there too, right, uh, Susan? Yeah, I did the same thing in that book. Uh, I, I took dreams as a vehicle to um, get people to, un- again, understand the spirit world because that is the area of, of the greatest accessibility um, you know, I had an uncle uh, who died uh, earlier uh, 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 a few months back, and um, just last 
week he came into my dream, and it was just the, um, I, I felt it was him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm remembering now. What The thesis of the dream book is that there are two kinds of dreams, subjective dreams and objective dreams. The subjective ones are just our own imagination at work. The objective dreams I take as uh, signals and messages from a spirit, the spirit world, from uh, people who've uh, gone over. Uh, and uh, it's, it's kind of good to sort of train yourself to uh, recognize a when you've had an objective dream. So when I dreamt about my Uncle Lou, uh, it, it was kind of the typical thing that spiritualists have described, that when they, uh, when they get settled in the spirit world, they, I mean, he was ni- 90 when he died, uh, but when you get settled in the spirit world, you resume your, um, uh, your midlife, your, your prime of life, and sure enough, he came to me as, you know, a man in the prime of life. He didn't return in my dream as the old man he was. Uh, I took that as a sign. Then, oh, yeah, then I had another dream uh, of, uh, of uh, some, uh, someone in my family, a very close member of my family. She's a young lady, and I haven't seen her for a long time. And she appeared in my dream. It was a wordless dream. Um, but I, I kind of remembered afterwards that she looked very tan. Very, her skin was very dark. And I found out by talking to another family member shortly after uh, that uh, she was in California and spending a lot of time on the beach. You know, so again, I took it as an objective dream. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. Is it also, uh, Susan, a lot of people say when you have dreams, very vivid dreams, um, that writing them down in a notebook, you know, to to go back and, and figure them out, because it's funny that we're talking about this. I mean, my stepson was saying he had a very vivid and horrifying dream, um, and, and I do, I do uh, recall when I had a, a dream book myself, so I'm very interested in reading up on this one that you have. Um, you know, I, again... That's, it's like an open door because, you know, some people say if you, you hear this all the time, if you fall in your dream and, and you've hit the bottom or you hit the ground, then you don't wake up, you died in your dream. And I'm thinking to myself, how do you know? Because how could anybody come back and say, well, that's what had happened? <laughs> I you get know, what like, you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's amazing because um, myself, like you, Susan, I had lost um, half family members, which Ron was aware of, and... Um, my brother, my older brother, which was interesting, um, the week after his funeral, he had come to me in my dream very vivid. And, but he wasn't talking to me like we do communicating via mouth. It, just, it was just like a, almost reading thoughts, if right. you will. And right. had said that, you know, um, him and my father were going to go fishing. Now, the next day, no word of a lie, my husband and I went to go visit my father. And, Ron, I don't know if I told you this, um, I, I was hesitant to tell my father about this because, you know, he had just lost my mother and my brother within 11 days of each other. And oh I said, my. oh, were you supposed to go fishing with Raymond? And do you know what he wound up saying to me? He said that while my brother was in the hospital because he died from um, renal carcinoma cancer, he had said that uh-huh. while he was in the hospital, my brother looked at him and said, Dad, your birthday's coming up. What do you want for your birthday? And my father said, a fishing pole. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, 
I was floored. I was completely floored. So I do agree with you. I mean, when it comes to dreams, it's it's like no holds barred. You're you're game for anything. Right. Oh, oh yeah. Um, I was just reminded. I was um, talking about the materialists. You know, there are a lot of materialists in my life, particularly from my past. Um, and I was uh, talking with one of them. Uh, I'm talking about people who don't believe in the Creator and who don't know if they believe in a spirit world, okay? Uh, uh, I was talking to one of these old friends of mine. His mother had just died. This was also last year. Um, and I was uh, trying to, you know, uh, uh, ease him into the idea of her being still alive in the spirit world, <laughs> You know, this terribly revolutionary idea of it. Um, and I, I told him an experience that I had after my uh, sister died. My sister died in 05. That was the tragedy that got me started writing the, uh, Link, li- the Lincoln book. Um, um, and and it, I wasn't looking for this to happen, but I had read, you know, so much in the paranormal uh, literature about um, electrical disturbances in the house. You know, uh-huh. at one point, you know, after a few months, a few months after my sister died, uh, the radio uh, kept going on and off. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. Now, this is very mm-hmm. typical. You'll find it all over right. the paranormal right. literature. It's, it's been uh, evidenced uh, a thousand times. Uh, well, this was this a circumstance I mentioned to my friends to, uh, to uh, you know, give them an idea of spirit life of those who've gone before. Uh, and, you know, he didn't say anything for a while, and then after a while he said, well, uh, it was a um, a light fixture. He just, him and the electrician just couldn't get it fixed. It kept going on the blink huh. shortly after his mother died. So, you know, that I think that planted the seed with him. And, yeah. you know, we, we, we kind of owe it to our friends to uh, clue them in a little bit. Yeah. Well, I hate to tell you this, but we've run out of time. No, no. Well, just promise me to to invite me back, Ron. We will definitely have to have you back, Susan. Thank you very much. I love talking with you. Yeah, thank you so much, and you have a good evening. Thanks for coming on. Once again, that's Susan Martinez, and she wrote the book, The Psychic Life of Abraham Lincoln. She has got a couple of other cool ones up, including Reincarnation and Dreams. So thank you, Susan. Have a good night. Thanks a million. Oh, did I have a, you have a website or anything that people can reach you at? I have a blog. Uh, I guess if you Google um, Tourist Guide to the Afterlife. Okay. Thank you very much, Susan. Sure. Did thank thank you. Bye-bye, yeah. Gail. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow, that was pretty cool, huh? That was incredible. I, you know, ours just, you know, you got to extend. you got to talk to your producer. we got to work this out for you, Ron, you know? <laughs> you know, I had my clip for the uh, the ghost, Gettysburg ghost dude, and I can't play it. So, any, so anyways, um, Gail. Yes, yes, yes. How, how can you tell if your boyfriend or significant other is a vampire? Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad you said significant other. Otherwise, my husband would be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say based on the big size hickey that you get. No? Well, no, one reason might be you wake up in the middle of the night and you find them climbing through your window to watch <gasps> you sleep. 
Well, that's what those are security bars are for. Hello. <laughs> or, you know what? Uh, you might be a vampire if he hates dogs. In fact, all dogs. What? Really? Why? Mm. Uh, or he might be a vampire if he looks like he looks at you like you're something to eat. <laughs> well, you know, I have been looking like, you know, I'm a chocolate mousse cake for my husband. Yep, I got you. you might, he might be a vampire if uh, he tells you you smell nice a lot. Ooh, especially garlic flavor perfume. Mm. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, he might be a vampire if he stops a van from crushing you to death with his bare hand. Mm, that's a good one. Now, that's a keeper. That's a keeper regardless. Absolutely. <laughs> He might be a vampire if he knows everything you're thinking. Oh well, you know, I could see I could see that coming into play because my husband cannot read my mind. I think that's a woman's gift. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he might be a vampire if he claims that the reasons his eyes change color is because they're fluorescent. <laughs> so, anyways, that's our little story about uh, if your boyfriend is a vampire or not that's a, so, that's a dating tip you know that's that's a good thing to know <laughs> well it is i mean i always like to do it as part of uh, our service uh you know public service thing here at uh, ghost chronicles we'd like to uh, give those little hints uh last time it was uh how can you tell if your boy is a friend's a zombie and i think the last time before that was how could you tell if your trailer was haunted so oh my anyways God. Love you. That's why we love you and Maureen. You guys do. You bring it to the plate. It's awesome. So, anyways, we want to thank you so much for being uh, you listening to us tonight. And Gail, thank you for uh, co-hosting with me. And tune in next week when we will play another one of the Ghosts of Gettysburg tapes. Thanks, so it's time guys. to wrap it up. So, Gail, it's time to wrap it up. It's time to say good night and God bless. Uh, I'm gonna go check and see if my husband's a vampire with a kiss. Bye. Bye. From goalies to ghosties, round the little beasties, and things that go bumpy in the world. Nevertheless, 